0: the Guardian. Hello, I'm John Dennis. Today the BBC confirms that the digital station six music has been saved from the axe. In today's podcast DJ Phil Jupitus gives his reaction.
1: I'm very, very happy for all the people that sort of actually campaigned. It was it was gratifying to see that the public like it's music enough to get off their arses and attend demonstrations.
0: Other public services aren't going to be so lucky. The government announced yet more spending cuts today. From a civil
2: services point of view, they've not just made your job a lot less likely to get lost, but they're also
0: changing it so that you'll get less money when your job is lost. So it's a real double whammy. After three shooting attacks, Northumbria police intensify their hunt for the former bouncer, Raoul Moat. We've spoken to some and she has asked us to say the following to you. Please give yourself up. If you still love me and our baby, you would not be doing this anymore. And in South Africa, footballers highlight the HIV crisis facing the country.
3: In the first few days, I was on the wheelchair, but now I'm walking on my own. I'm doing my own work alone, trying to support my family. So it's really good.
4: Guardian Daily from Guardian.co.uk
0: First, our top story today. The BBC says Six Music has been saved from closure. The BBC had proposed to close the digital station as part of a strategy rethink. The announcement prompted widespread protests. But the plan needed the approval of the corporation's governing body, the BBC Trust, which said today there was no convincing case for shutting Six Music down. This was how Lauren Laverne broke the news to her listeners on Six Music This Morning
5: digital online
4: bbc 6 music and we've had some news here at the station. So, listen, I know lots of you have been following what's been going on with Six Music and the BBC Trust review and everything like that, the strategy review um, over the past few months and sending us loads of really supportive and lovely messages. So, before you know, say anything, thank you very, very much for all of that, all of your support. Um, and I have in my hand a piece of paper with the results of the report. So, I'm just going to read this out now and that's going to be it. Okay. The BBC Trust has rejected the BBC's plans to close Six Music. In his initial response to the Director-General's strategy review, the chairman of the Trust, which represents the interests of licence fee payers, says that the case for the closure of Six has not been made. He has told BBC managers the Trust would only consider closing Six Music as part of a wider strategy on the future of digital radio. But the Trust has accepted plans to close the Asian network, cut 25% of the online budget and close BBC Blast. So that is what we know and of course we want to say a huge thank you um, to all of you for all of the incredible support you've given us and for telling the trust exactly how you feel because they've obviously heard you so we're incredibly excited and pleased by that news about Six Music today. When
0: Six Music's closure was announced one of its former presenters Phil Jupitus wrote in The Guardian that it was an act of cultural vandalism an affront to the memory of John Peel and a slap in the face to thousands of license payers. He told us his reaction to today's news.
1: As always enthusiastic if qualified anything the corporation does always has to be taken with something of, of a pinch of salt and much as they say that they they're not going to now close its music they're going to review all digital radio in one go i found it quite funny in the fact they couldn't just say okay you can have it they had to say you can have it but we're going to review all radio so it's just it's they give it with one hand they take it away with the other you know so i'm very very happy for all the people that sort of actually campaigned it was it was gratifying to see that the public likes six music enough to get off their asses and attend demonstrations and and uh, and get very active on the internet with it and everything it was uh it was nice to see an audience for a radio station act like they love the radio station you know
0: do you think that that was a major factor in changing the BBC Trust's mind, that Six, six Music should be saved?
1: I, I mean, an organisation like the BBC Trust, I, I wouldn't dare to try and second-guess them, but <laughs> um, I would imagine that it's very difficult to ignore the kind of level of outcry that came up. I mean, having said that, you know, the fact that they've let um, Asian Network go by the bye. I mean, when you, you sort of look at the the nature of the way the UK is today, I mean, I, I feel like letting Asian Network go is even more foolish than letting Six Music go. But you know, I can't be getting—I <laughs> wouldn't even know. I mean, it's not—it's not, it's not a, a radio network that's designed for me. But I can imagine it provides an invaluable service.
0: Publicity about the the closure of Six Music actually boosted the number of listeners to it.
1: Yeah, doubled it, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's ironic that. Gillian Reynolds of The Telegraph was of the opinion that Mark Thompson had pulled the old Heinz salad cream trick, saying he was going to take something away to remind us that it was there, much as though the BBC was telling the public that Six Music was there for the best part of seven years and getting very little change out of them. And then suddenly when they announce it's going, and not only people at the BBC, you know, they basically got the British public and people in the music business to do their, their PR job for them. But I, I genuinely think that they were going to close it down. I just don't want the country to end up in a state like they are in America. I don't want BBC to turn into something like, you know, NPR is in America. BBC, you know, performs a vital role in this country and I hope it continues to
0: do so. And Phil, many Six Music listeners, of course, will lament uh, what it's been like since you left your breakfast show. Any chance that you'll return to Six (laughs) Music? I don't
1: think so. Sean (laughs) Caveney is absolutely excellent and award-winning, let's not forget that breakfast broadcaster and, and uh, I never managed to rise to those dizzy heights.
0: <laughs> Phil Jupitus. Well, the Media Guardian reporter Tara Conlon agrees with Phil that today's news was a victory for the campaign to save six music.
5: It wasn't really a surprise. There have been indications over the last few months that the campaign had worked and it probably helped the fact that the Culture Secretary, Jeremy Hunt, was a fan of six music as well.
0: What do you think swung it? Why did the trust eventually reject arguments for closing Six Music?
5: I think the the music industry, to some of their responses when they were consulted, BBC Trust Chairman Michael Lyon said that helped play a part. I always wonder why they chose Six Music because there was bound to be quite a big uprising about its popular station. It's got some high profile people who work for it. So I didn't actually think it would ever happen.
0: Well, how will the decision to save Six Music now affect the BBC's long-term strategy?
5: Well, what they're looking at doing is creating what they said was some kind of coherent strategy... Presumably they didn't have one before, and that, that means, um, about the future of digital radio, what's going to happen with all their digital radio stations. And once Six Music can be found to fit into that coherent strategy, then it, w- it will be saved. So they haven't actually totally, you know, it, it is a reprieve. What
0: about um, the Asian Network? This was the other digital station that the BBC announced it wanted to close.
5: They said today that essentially it's up to the executive to decide and they have to make you know further case for that to be closed and the trust also said that if it is closed that there needs to be some other kind of provision for asian um listeners in some of the other bbc services
0: how embarrassing is this for the bbc's director general mark thompson who earmarked six music for closure
5: I think it's something that they had to do. I I always thought of it as a bit of a sacrificial lamb, and if I was going to put anything up to sacrifice, I I would have gone for that, because it's either that or or Radio 3, because I don't think they actually really ever wanted to, you know, close them down in the end. I mean, it just seems that it it was quite an easy option.
0: The Conservative... Blogger Tim Montgomery said today that it was disgraceful that Six Music had been saved. He said, when will the BBC share in the pain? I mean, can the BBC expect to have large swathes of cuts that are affecting other publicly funded bodies?
5: I think in order to appease commercial rivals, they do have to be seen to be cutting something. What they seem to have gone for today is talking about cutting talent pay, cutting management pay. They just did a um, a, a piece of research which showed that actually one of the things which really riles people is how much the BBC executives are are paid. So I think that's what really will get the headlines and and appease people, the fact that the top executives are going to be working for free for a month.
0: Tara Conlon, and there's full coverage at guardian.co.uk slash media. Well, good news for Six Music listeners, but many other publicly funded bodies are facing the chop. Civil service unions are bracing themselves for possible industrial action over plans by the coalition government to cut their pensions and jobs and pay and conditions. Another brace of cuts was announced today. Danny Alexander, the Chief Secretary to the Treasury, announced fresh spending cuts worth £1 billion. And the Education Secretary, Michael Gove, announced cuts of £3.5 billion in the school's budget.
6: We have safeguarded frontline revenue school spending. We have safeguarded frontline spending on Sure We have safeguarded frontline spending on school and college places for 16 to 19-year-olds this year. We have cut spending on wasteful quangos. We have cut the unnecessary bureaucracy which has swallowed up so much money, and we have reduced the amount spent on regional government, on field forces, and on unnecessary government inspection regimes. But we have prioritised funding for better teachers, we have invested more in the education of the poorest, and we are giving schools greater control of the money which has previously been spent on their behalf.
0: Leader writer Tom Clark is here. Tom, a never-ending blizzard of announcements about cuts. What changes can civil servants expect?
2: You might remember before the budget, which of course announced the biggest cuts since the Second World War, we had um, the briefly Chief Secretary, David Laws, stand up and say he was announcing six billion cuts for this year. Well, now they've come back and said one of those billion wasn't there or they didn't think it quite added up, so they want another billion for this year. Um, and it looks like it's going to bear on public sector workers in particular.
0: And what do we know about civil service pay and conditions? Because there's been uh, an announcement expected uh, this afternoon about that.
2: Well, um, it looks like they're going to have a very tough look at the terms that civil servants get when they're made redundant. So from a civil services point of view, they've not just made your job a lot less likely to get lost but they're also changing it so you'll get less money when your job is lost so it's a real double whammy potentially uh, something that will send shockwaves right across the whole public sector at once they're not looking at doing this in a piecemeal way they're looking at taking on all public sector workers at once
0: and can they do this without avoiding industrial action
2: i don't think they can no i'm strongly of the view that there's going to be a lot of industrial action unions are a completely withered force in much of the economy you know down from about 50 percent to in the private sector today something like 16-15% of workers. So as an institution, an institution that can be ignored. In the public sector though, union rates are still above 50%. And so I don't think you will get this through without some serious uh, industrial action.
0: And could the coalition government ride out a wave of industrial action if there was enough public support for what they were doing? Well, what they're banking
2: on is the idea that they can see that, that there's enough people in the private sector who can see that public sector workers are still getting better pensions, better payoffs, better job security, and they're going to be uh, fairly cross about that and therefore they're going to tolerate the big showdown between the government and the public sector workers. The difficulty I think they might have is with taking on all the unions at once, those who've got very long memories, which in the current cabinet will only be Ken Clark, will remember that back in the early 1970s, Ted Heath tried to take on all the unions at once. He failed. He asked the country who governed and the electorate said, not you, mate. But then in the nineteen 19- 80s Margaret Thatcher came back and had another go at the union and she was very careful to pick them off one at a time so we'll deal with the miners first and then the energy workers and so on so I wonder this time whether they're trying the Heath strategy
0: which last time around didn't work but it does put Labour in a difficult position whatever the coalition government decides to do because Labour don't want to be pigeonholed again as the sort of friend of the uh, militant union leaders
2: I think that's exactly right I think Labour in a very difficult bind it's got to oppose the cuts um, but it Um, can't be seen as sticking up for the public sector at the expense of the private sector, which is the majority in the economy. And that's the game that the coalition are playing. They're talking about gold-plated pensions, golden parachutes, all these things that ordinarily we associate with fat cats on the business pages are suddenly being tied around the necks of um, council workers and refuse workers and all these kinds of people. The question is whether the public will... um, we'll see that as credible or whether Labour will be able to kind of say well look hang on a minute some of these people who are pushing hospital trolleys around are actually your friends and not your enemies even if they work in the other sector in which case maybe they could in a selective way support some of the
0: strikes. Tom Clark. My name's John Dennis you're listening to Guardian Daily. Amid all the excitement of the World Cup, the host nation, South Africa, has been staging another football tournament, one in which all the players are HIV positive. The event was arranged in an attempt to highlight South Africa's HIV epidemic and to persuade international donors not to withdraw funding for antiretroviral drugs. During the 31 days of the World Cup, 160,000 people around the world will die of AIDS. 22,000 of them in South Africa. The Guardian's David Smith reports. Football is not a matter of life and death. It's much more important than that.
7: But what we are seeing here today is indeed a matter of life and death.
6: I'm in a noisy park in Newtown in Johannesburg, watching a five-a-side football match between teams from South Africa in Zimbabwe. It's a game with a difference because many of the young players here are HIV positive and they're playing to make a point. It's an event organized by Medicines on Frontier. They argue vehemently that politicians are choosing the wrong moment to cut funding.
7: Lovely three ball, one on one, can she? Yes!
6: And it's there, a goal for the Zimbabwean team. So the striker punches the air with delight. They're now 5-2 up and well, uh, we've certainly uh, some had cheer there for the uh, team in blue. So the match is over, a victory, five goals to two for the team from Zimbabwe. I'm just going to grab someone from the losing side. Hi, what's your name please?
3: Oh, I'm Tan Golo from Kaili now the same name. Uh, the game was good. Why
6: did you want to play here today?
3: The main purpose is that uh, the funding should not stop our funding there. That's why we came here to show that uh, they n- cannot quit at a, t- a tough time.
6: And how bad would the situation be if funding for ARVs dried up?
3: Wow, uh, that will be a really bad disaster in Africa, expensive, just because uh, the most percentage is here in Africa of HIV, the people who are infected in HIV.
6: I'm joined by Klaus Mapiti of the team OI Bombers from Zimbabwe. Clout is HIV positive. Clout, uh, are you receiving ARV treatment, and what difference has it made to your life?
3: Right. Yes, I'm receiving antiretrovirals, and it has changed my life from the start. Was I was uh, diagnosed in 2004. In the first days, I was on the wheelchair, but now I'm walking on my own. I'm doing my own work alone, trying to support my family. So it's really good. I'm getting everything that I want.
6: And in fact, you're also healthy enough to play football today.
3: Yeah, it's really good for me. Was MSF has taken us from me, to, from Zimbabwe to here, to play soccer. It yeah, that I can do everything that every man can do in life, even though I am HIV positive.
6: As Clout's team take the field before us looking to get back to winning ways, it's striking just how many people here are wearing t-shirts proclaiming their HIV positive status. A situation that would probably have been unthinkable only a few years ago in South Africa, when even the president, Thabo Becky, flirted with AIDS denialism. But there's a big attendance here, including many members of the world's media They see there's something of a lull in the World Cup at the moment, and this five-a-side tournament has captured their imagination. The question now is, with the gauntlets thrown down, will politicians also respond?
0: David Smith reporting. On Tyneside, ex-bouncer Raoul Moat has evaded the police since allegedly shooting his ex-girlfriend, Samantha Stobart, and murdering her partner on Saturday. Detectives also want to question him about the shooting of a police officer yesterday. At a news conference today, Detective Chief Superintendent Neil Adamson read out an appeal from Stobart for Moat to give himself up. We've spoken to Sam and she has asked us to say the following to you. Please give yourself up. If you still love me and our baby you would not be doing this anymore. Sam also said when you came out of jail I told you I was seeing a police officer. I said this because I was frightened. I have not been seeing a police officer. Durham Prison had warned police that Moat had threatened to harm Stobart when he was released. The Guardian's Robert Booth.
7: They've explained that they received information from the prison, that there were concerns that he may have some violent urges, basically, but that it seems that this information came after he was released, which meant that they wouldn't have been able to pick him up immediately after he left prison and they've also said that they've passed this on to the Independent Police Complaints Commission so that they can look into it.
0: Are detectives any nearer to catching him?
7: There's certainly a huge amount of manpower being directed at this at the moment. There are armed Officers from five forces, the neighbouring forces to Northumbria, who are involved, police helicopters. And clearly they have some, uh, the police in Northumbria feel that they have some fairly strong leads because they believe that there are people out there who had contact with him um, since he went on his shooting spree over the weekend.
0: Northumbria police received a letter and two 999 calls which purported to be from Moat.
7: Before he went on the spree on Saturday, he put something on his Facebook page which suggested he was going to um, wait and see what happens is what he said um, after talking about how desperate his life was looking and then he seems to be he seems to have in these uh, calls uh, taunted the police to some extent about their inability to catch him at around noon today. The police said that they 'd received a letter within the last twenty four hours handwritten quite long from Moat, in which he aired, according to the police, his general grievances. But it does also sound like it was quite specific in many ways. The police then went on to say that they, the police themselves had no issue with him, and they tried to appeal to his, uh, his status as a family man, really, to try and get him to give himself up, all of which gave an impression that some of the things he'd said in the letter were about um, his feelings for the police.
0: Robert Booth. Guardian Daily was produced today by Tim Mabee and my name is John Dennis. Thank you for listening. Guardian
3: Daily, news and reports from around the world.